All right, here we go. Amos chapter 3. We're only going to read the first eight verses. Um, uh, we're going to cover the whole chapter over the course of our talk today, but for now, we're just going to do one through eight. So here it is. Um, let me uh, read it. Just follow along. Listen to this message that the Lord has spoken against you Israelites, against the entire clan that I brought from the land of Egypt. I've known only you out of all the clans of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. Can two walk together without agreeing to meet? Does a lion roar in the forest when it has no prey? Does a young lion growl from its lair unless it has captured something? Does a bird land in a trap on the ground if there's no bait for it? Does a trap spring from the ground when it has caught nothing? If a ram's horn is blown in a city, aren't people afraid? If a disaster occurs in a city, hasn't the Lord done it? Indeed, the Lord God does nothing without revealing his counsel to his servants, the prophets. A lion has roared. Who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken. Who will not prophesy? Let's uh, bow our heads and pray. Dear God, thank you so much for this day. Uh, thank you for this opportunity that we get to discuss your word together as a body of believers. Lord, I just pray for everyone in this room, Lord, that this is not a day that is normal by any means, that this is a day where your word impacts our lives, that, that maybe there's something in scripture that we hear today that will cause us to change something in our lives to be closer to you. So, Lord, I know that everyone here is not here by accident. Everybody is here for a reason. So God, I pray for attentive hearts. I pray for people to uh, hear your word and just gain a lot of, of knowledge and passion from it. We love you, Lord. We thank you. And we pray this in your name. And all of God's children said, amen. amen. All right, go ahead and take your seats. All right. Um, let me start by asking you guys a quick question. Um, Obviously, everybody in here has had something good happen to them at one point or another. Everybody in here has been blessed in some, in some way. So I would love to hear a couple ways that you guys have been blessed. So somebody raise your hand and tell me, what's a way that you've been blessed? Yes, ma'am. You live in the United States, right? This is a huge blessing. Uh, we had somebody say this in the last service as well, and it's, it's a huge blessing that we get to worship together in, in the freedom of our country. Uh, we live in a very prosperous nation, obviously. Um, we are richer than any other nation easily. So, um, so it's, it's a, it's a privilege. Yes. Yes, sir. Uh, Duke. Um, so, probably my parents gave me, uh, Nintendo Switch for my yes. Christmas. Yes. You were blessed by your parents for a Nintendo Switch. Great job. Do you play the Switch with them there, uh, Mr. Rooster? He sometimes does. Okay. <laughs> sometimes. He sometimes does indeed. But, Josh, um, tell me a way that God has blessed you. Okay, yeah, so the fact that we get to eat meals in a day is means that we are blessed. You, you realize there are people in the world who do not get that, that privilege, right? So we're, we're very blessed. Yes, sir. Remind me your name. Sam, how you doing, man? Tell me about it. Shelter, the fact that you have a house. Yeah, I told the kids in the last service that yesterday when I was at the Buckeye game on the top level of Sea Deck, I wish I had a roof over my head, all right? It was pouring. It was a down, downpour. It was crazy. Yes, sir. Something that God has blessed you with. Laziness. Laziness. Okay. Uh, no. All right. Let's go to the... No, I'm just kidding. We'll talk about that. Yes, sir. A, a way that you have been blessed. I get to work with the coolest and most good-looking youth pastor You're fired. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Yes. I, listen, I appreciate that. And my wife totally agrees with everything you just said. Right, Britt? Maybe? Okay. Yes. Let's give a round of applause for Sherrod, everybody. <laughs> that was awesome. If Sherrod ever runs for office, vote for that man. I don't even know what you'll run on. Just vote for him. He's the man, all right? 
<laughs> he's like, he's like uh, free lunches at school, all right? So um, the reason I'm asking you guys that is we, we have, we've got an abundance of resources in the United States. We've got an abundance of wealth. Everybody in here is very blessed. It's, you're very blessed. One thing my wife did, um, it might have been last year, she took out a book and she just started writing down things that she's thankful for. And, and I was amazed that she got like into the hundreds and then the hundreds and the hundreds. I was like, man, you got a lot to be thankful for. And if we really took the time, we could sit down right now and write out pages and pages worth of things that we are thankful for, right? We could spend the whole service doing that if we wanted to, but we're not going to. But all of us are blessed. All of us have been, uh, like God has blessed all of us. What I want to do today is I want to talk about um, blessings based on that passage that we just read from Amos chapter 3. And I told the kids in the last service that I was trying to come up with a title for my message today. And I thought I found one, but then I had another one. So I have two titles, all right? So I'm going to tell them to you both, and hopefully you, um, uh, you can pick which one you like more. So the first title of my message today is The Problem of Blessings, okay? The Problem of Blessings. Now, this sounds like a, an oxymoron, right? And I'm not, I'm not referring to anybody in this room when I say that. Like, an oxymoron is two things that contradict each other, right? Um, but in this case, um, the problem of blessings, people don't typically uh, feel that there's a problem when they're blessed, right? Like, when your dad gave you, Duke, the, the, the switch, you weren't just... Okay, I'm sorry. When your mom and your dad gave you the, the switch, you weren't just like, this is a problem. Now, now you, you probably could have felt that way. I'm going to spend a lot of time on this device. But the thing is, when we are blessed, typically it's a good thing, right? We don't see it as a negative thing. Like nobody ever gets a gift and then just says, uh, like, this is a problem. Like you, you like the gift, right? So um, we're calling it the problem of blessings because our series that we've been in this whole time is a series called Mirror Image, okay? It's Mirror Image. This is where we've been, I think now for, let me see, this is chapter three. So this is our fourth week on this series. And we're doing, we're talking about how Israel back in the times of Amos, they were, they were dealing and struggling with certain sins that God chose Amos to go and address these sins. So let's see who's been paying attention, okay? Israel was a nation that had some civil disunity in it and it split into two. What was the southern part called? And then what was the northern part called? Let me try to see if anybody from that wasn't in the last service can do this. All right, uh, Josh, you were in the last service. Oh, okay. I might come to you, though. What was the southern called? Starts with a J. Yeah, Judah. Right. Great job, right? The south was called Judah. And trick question for you, what was the northern part of Israel called? It was called, yes, sir? No, no. What was it? It was Israel. Yeah, they kept the name Israel. So the south was Judah. The north was Israel. Judah, or I'm sorry, Amos was from where? I just gave the answer away. Where was Amos from? <laughs> Judah. He was from Judah. He was from the south, okay? And God called Amos, he says, listen, I need you to leave the rednecks. I need you to go up to the rich people in the north in Israel and proclaim the gospel to them. Or I'm sorry, not the gospel, but he says, proclaim my message of wrath to them. So Amos had this really hard task. He had to leave his people in the south, in Judah, and he had to go up to Israel and, and tell them not a great message, right? We talked about the fact where if, if a prophet would come up to your town, chances are he's there to tell you to straighten up your ways or God is gonna you know, mess with you. Well, the, the, the cool thing about this series that we're doing with Mirror Image is we can look at Israel and see that these guys had struggles that we deal with today. A lot of these struggles that Israel was, was going through in the book of Amos are some of the exact same struggles that we're going with. And one of the big ones is they faced this unusual problem where God had blessed Israel so much that they didn't know they needed him anymore. 
Isn't that kind of, it's kind of a weird thing, isn't it? That you're so blessed that you get to a point where you say, I'm so blessed I have no worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. We're good to go. And that led to them feeling like they didn't need God anymore. Guys, I, I'm curious in here if, you, if you've ever like gone through a day where you just, you think to your mind, oh yeah, I, I'd be like, it's cool. Like I, I'd be good without God. Like guys, I have these days where I, I look back and I just go, man, I, re- I took all the credit for all the good stuff that happened to me today. And I didn't think to myself at all in, in certain days where I'm just like, I need God today. And guys, Israel were in this exact spot. It was a problem of too many blessings. It was a problem of too many blessings. So that's my first title. And then here's the second title. Ready? It's simply this. Ready? You spoiled brats. All right? You spoiled brats. That, that's no applause. No applause. All right? I'm talking to you guys. No, I'm just kidding. All right? But, but you spoiled brats, right? I'm calling it this because I look at Israel and I just go, you spoiled brats. Like you guys had so much given to you. You had so much privilege. You had so many um, like just great, great things that God had done for you and you squandered it. You can put, it, it didn't matter. Like you, you felt so blessed and it kind of made you feel entitled and it made you feel like you didn't need God anymore. In fact, I've got um, my two oldest kids, Maura and Jack. I pick them up from school on Thursdays and Fridays. And on Thursday, this, this couple of uh, days ago, Thursday, I get my kids and what I do is I have to drive them to the babysitter and then come back to finish my work day. On the way out, there's a lady named Jan who has a desk just right over here at the entrance. And every time we go past, Jan says, hey, uh, come here, kids. You guys want some candy? And what kid says no to candy, right? So my kids are like, yeah, I'd love this. So she gives them candy. Well, they know now that if they walk past Jan's desk, they will get candy every time. So there's times when I try to walk out this back door because my car's closer and they're like, no, 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 let, let's go the long way. And I'm like, I know what you're doing. All right. You just want to go see Jan. And one day, uh, Jack went over and was getting his candy, and I got to talking to a person, and I look over, and then Jan is literally stuffing his pockets with candy, all right? I'm talking his coat pockets, his pant pockets, and I look over there, and she's like, don't say anything, don't say anything, walk out, and I see him just walking out with these bulging, like, every pocket, and I remember just being like, what? No, this is not okay, right? I was like, Jan, you know better, and she goes, I'm sorry, I just love giving your kids candy, and so... I said, we've got, we've got to limit this, okay? Not that I care about their teeth or their health. I'm afraid what my wife will do to me if she finds out that I've let my kids eat this much candy. So the next day we go there. I tell the kids, I say, guys, you're not getting nearly as much candy as you got last time. So we go over there and they walk by and they're like, oh, hey, Jan, fancy seeing you here. And they're like, she's like, here, here's some candy. And so she's giving them handfuls of candy. And I said, guys, remember what we said? One piece of candy today. And they were like, just, uh, what about two pieces of candy? And I said, no, just one. And they were like, are you kidding me? And my daughter, Maura, she was freaking out. She's like, are you kidding me? Why can't I just have two? And I said, just one. And she goes, this is the worst. This is not fair. And I said, let's talk about this, okay? 30 seconds ago, how many pieces of candy did you have? She was like, none. I said, right now, how many pieces of candy do you have? She goes, one. I was like, you have 100% more candy than you did 30 seconds ago. That you are blessed. This is a good thing, right? This is a great thing. And she goes, but I wanted to. And this is what happens, isn't it? Like we get blessed. This is, what, this is what spoiled brats do. They get blessed and then when the blessing doesn't continue to come, they get mad about it, right? We have no reason to complain to God, do we? God has blessed us so many times. Yet when something bad happens, we look up at God, we're like, God, seriously? One piece of candy? Seriously, God, you know? And, and, and you know God is looking down. He's like, are you, are you kidding me? Have you seen where you live? Have you seen... 
how I blessed you here. Have you seen this stuff that I blessed you with? And so title one, again, is the problem of blessings. And then the title two is called You Spoiled Brats. And what I want to do over the next couple of minutes is I want to show you guys that, um, that Amos, I think, has it in his mind that he's talking to spoiled brats here. And I think he even talks to them as if they're small children, okay? So my main point for today is this, ready? Don't let, any guesses? Blessing. Don't let blessings take your focus off God. We've talked before how when bad things happen, a lot of times we'll, we'll make the problem bigger than God, right? Well, today we're going to go the opposite direction. We're going to say, listen, too many good things happening in your life can have a negative effect if you're not careful. And for you people who follow God in here, my, my, my hope is that after the message today is that you will realize that you shouldn't let your blessings take your focus off God. Because this strange thing starts to happen when, when you get blessed so much like we are in the United States where you start to get it into your mind that you are blessed and things are good for you because of what you've done, right? In America, this is why the Bible talks about rich people being so hard for them to get to, the, to heaven, which, disclaimer, everybody in this room is rich, okay? On the world stage, we are rich. We are filthy wealthy, okay? I, when, when we were in Cambodia, we met people who literally, like, it was like $15 a month they would make. I mean, they live on nothing. And we got our AirPods, our phones, like all this stuff, right? And so, so we are rich, okay? So keep that in mind. But rich people, it's very hard for rich people to turn to God because they don't think they need him. They think, oh, I've got it. I got a great job. I'm good, right? It's because they're focusing on the blessings. Don't let, uh, don't let blessings take your focus off of God, okay? So I want to reread a couple of these verses, and I want to show you how I think Amos um, was trying to reiterate to these spoiled brats, like, guys, guys, you have been blessed beyond all measure, yet you squandered it, okay? So let's relook at Amos 3, verses 1 and 2, okay? Here it is. This is the message that the Lord God has spoken against you, Israelites, against the entire clan that I brought from the land of Egypt. Now, let's keep one thing in mind here, okay? When it says, listen to this message, it doesn't say, listen to the message that the Lord God has spoken for you. It doesn't say, listen to the message that God has given to you. It says, listen to the message that God has spoken against you, all right? Against, in this case, is not a good word, okay? Like, if somebody comes over to you and they say, I've got a word against you, you're like, oh, this is a negative, right? And, and here's the thing. This is a negative message that God is giving to the Israelites, He's telling them, look, you guys have messed up. You've, you've dropped the ball time and time again. Uh, you know, enough of me blessing you. It's time for wrath, okay? And listen to this. I've known only you out of all the clans of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. So what we see is if Israel was to like take this, uh, if they were to make a list here of all the uh, blessings that, that uh, God has done for Israel, we can see a couple of them right off the bat here. Verse one, I, took, I brought you guys out of Egypt, okay? You guys remember in the book of Exodus, Israel, Israel was in, the Israelites were in Egypt. They were getting beaten. They were slaves. They were forced to do the works of the Egyptians. And then God said, I, I'm going to send Moses and he will pull you out of it, right? They were slaves and they're no longer slaves, right? This is a great thing to be thankful for. And the next one, I've known only you out of all the clans of earth. He's saying, look, look, of all the people in the whole earth, I chose you guys, gentlemen, I chose you guys. Well, this is what God is saying to Israel. Sorry. All right. I have chosen you guys, right? Of anybody in the whole world, I've chosen you. And so that's another way that we're blessed. So he's saying, here's how I've blessed you. Here's how I've blessed you. And I love how he ends it. He says, therefore, I've blessed you this much. This is the reason I'm going to punish you for all your iniquities. It's kind of a, you're, you're just like, wait a minute. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah, you could say that, right? 
I'm going to punish you for all your iniquities. Who in here has seen Spider-Man? Anybody seen Spider-Man? All right. Oh, funny you asked that. Somebody in the last room. We're, we're talking, I told them, we're talking generational Spider-Man. Tobey Maguire, not the new crap that's come out. I'm talking about the older ones, okay? Well, those were crap too, let's be honest, all right? Who's seen the one with Tobey Maguire? You've seen it, right? Um, okay, Jake, here we go. I'm putting you on the spot here. Ready? Fill in the blank. With great power comes great. Wow, it's almost like you're a comic book nerd. I can't believe it. This boy loves comic books, man. All right. With great power comes great responsibility. We've heard this saying before, right? Um, so no need to watch the movie. I've saved you a couple hours. But in, in the whole point of this is that Peter Parker, who's uh, Spider-Man, gets these powers. And something that his Uncle Ben had always kind of instilled in him was, hey, listen, with great power comes great responsibility, right? If you... Um, if you get great abilities and you and you have a lot of or a lot of like influence and all this stuff, the more of that you have, the more responsibility you have. And so, so it's like he's saying, look, you know. And eventually, when he became Spider-Man, he had these great superpowers, which he could have used for bad or he could have used for good. This is why I love Superman so much. Okay, Superman can literally do almost anything he wants, yet he chooses to use his powers for good and not bad. I mean. In, in the comic book world, God forbid Superman ever goes bad guy. We're in trouble, right? But he uses his powers for good. And so what, what happens is we see here is that God is telling his people, hey, I've given you all of these blessings, all these blessings. You are my chosen people. You are the people that I love. With that comes great responsibility, okay? With that comes great responsibility, all right? They were spoiled brats, and the sad thing is they probably didn't even know it. You thought about this, right? When I was reading this, I was just like, these guys, they think that they're responsible for all the good things that are happening to them. That, they're, that, that everything that's happened is because of what they've done. And they probably didn't even realize they were spoiled brats. Brats don't realize this, right? When, that's why when something bad happens to them, they're just like, what in the world? Why, why would this happen? And I'm like, are you kidding me? All this good stuff that's happened to you and you're complaining about this one thing? It's because they don't know how spoiled they are. All right, let's keep reading. Amos 3, verses 3 to 8, okay? I'm going to be honest with you. The first time I read this uh, chunk of scripture here, <laughs> scripture, scripture here, I was very confused, okay? So let's read it, and hopefully you can be confused also. Verse 3, can two walk together without agreeing to meet? Does a lion roar in the forest when it has no prey? Does a young lion growl from its lair unless it has captured something? Does a bird land in a trap on the ground if there's no bait for it? Does a trap spring from the ground when it has caught nothing? If a ram's horn is blown in a city, aren't people afraid? If a disaster occurs in a city, hasn't the Lord done it? Indeed, the Lord God does nothing without revealing his counsel to his servants, the prophets. A lion has roared, who will not fear? The Lord God has spoken, who will not prophesy? Now, again, I, I read this, this just a couple weeks ago when I was preparing for this message, and I had to look a lot of this up because I'm like, what does this mean? Like, I don't, I don't get any of this stuff. And I'm convinced that this was Amos's way of saying, okay, spoiled brats, come gather around. I'm going to tell this to you in illustration so that you can understand it, okay? So let's start with verse three and we'll kind of break these down, okay? Let's look at verse three. It says, can two men walk together without agreeing to meet? Now, um, when I was looking this up, the cool thing about this passage here is when you're looking at scripture, it is good to know like grammar and stuff like this. And the word here, when it says, can two men walk together, this word walk here is it's in a tense called the imperfect tense, okay? There's, there's imperfect and then there's perfect. Imperfect means it's an incomplete action. Um, perfect means it's a completed. So let, let's, let me test you out here, okay? If I said, I have finished eating my breakfast, is that imperfect or perfect? perfect? It's perfect, right? It's a completed task. If I said, I am eating my breakfast, is that imperfect or perfect? It's 
It's imperfect. It's still going on. Now, in this passage here, that, that word, when it means can, can two walk together without agreeing to me, it's an imperfect word in which he's saying, to, can two men continue to walk together? And what Amos is saying is here, he's saying, look, God is walking and we're supposed to come along and walk with God. He's saying, God is walking and you two haven't agreed to meet with him. Essentially, you guys have stopped walking with God. You know, he, he's like, God has blessed you so many times. We're supposed to walk and we're supposed to do life with God. Yet you guys are choosing not to walk with God. All right. Let's look at verse four. Okay. Verse four. Does a lion roar in the forest when it has no prey? Does a young lion growl from its lair until it has captured something? While I was looking this up, the question is, is what makes a lion roar? Okay. What makes him do that roar thing? And, and what I found was that a lot of lions actually roar as a way of warning where they'll say like, like for instance, I love that it asks this. It says, does it, does it roar when it has no prey? If a lion is looking and like it's trying to creep, you ever seen a lion creep up on something in the woods, right? And, and, um, and it sees what it's about to devour. It doesn't just creep up and go, roar! Because then, then, then the animal's like, oh, crap. And then it like runs away, right? It, it, it doesn't do that, right? What it'll do is it'll creep up on it and then, and then get it. Uh, what happens is a, a lion will roar a lot of times as warning. So uh, we'll use this in, in lion term terms, okay? If Mufasa is on the top of Pride Rock and he looks down and he sees Simba and the hyenas are coming, what will he do? He will roar as loud as he can and hopefully Simba will be like, what's, what, what? Oh, it's my dad. Oh, hyenas. And then he runs away, right? What, what he's saying here is that um, li when lions roar as a warning, it's, it's supposed to be a warning to us. God here, um, God is actually referred to as a lion often in this passage here. And he's saying, listen, I'm roaring. I'm warning you guys over and over again. But what's happening is it's like Mufasa roaring and Simba just going, dad's roaring, who cares? And then the hyenas kill Simba, end of movie, okay? And it kind of adds, ends a little tragically than the real one, right? Um, which from what I understand, the new one was complete crap. So that actually would have been a better ending. But uh, who said that? Have you seen the old one? Did you like it better than the old one? Let's move on. Let's move on. I can't, guys, I hate that these new movies, I, I don't want to talk about it. Okay, anyway, so listen, shh, listen, listen. God has warned Israel. He has warned them. This is Amos's way of saying, listen up, spoiled brats. God has been warning you over and over again. And what are you doing? You don't care. He's warned you, but, but you're, you're turning your back on him. It doesn't matter. All right, let's look at verse five. Okay, verse five. Does a bird land in a trap on the ground if there's no bait for it? Do you guys know how live traps work, right? I've got this cage at my, at my house that I borrowed from a friend because I had all these raccoons. Did I ever tell you about the first time I captured a raccoon? I don't know if I've told this story. I'd never killed an animal before, okay? And so I said, these raccoons are getting on our garage. They're pooping everywhere. This is, they need to die, all right? So I set up, I set up my cage. The rat, the, I come out there three days in a row, nothing happens. And I'm just like, why am I not catching anything? And somebody was like, did you put any bait in it? And I go, genius. So I get, I get a, um, an egg carton and I just rip off one of the, the corners of the egg carton, put some peanut butter in it. And I set it in there. And that very night I caught one. And quick story for you. I was out there. I took a, I have a 22 rifle, right? Which is not a powerful gun, but I took it out there and I was just like, okay, here we go. So I took it off to the side and I was like, it's time to die. So I'm getting ready to shoot it, and then I was just like, I can't do this. Like, like raccoons are—they're kind of cute animals. Have you guys seen a raccoon? They got the—they got the eye bandit. So, hey, hey, hey! I'm talking about cute, fluffy ones, not the mangy ones, right? So I get the gun out, and, and I'm putting it in there, and I'm telling you, this raccoon looked at me like this. It was like, kind of like looked up at me, and I'm just like, 
I was like, I can't do this. I, I really struggled with this. And so finally I was like, oh, I was like, be a man, be a man. So I put the gun in the cage and it's like looking at me. And then I, I kind of touched the animal with the tip of the gun and it goes, and like starts chewing my gun. And I went, and I shot it four times in the head, still didn't die. So I shot it two more times in the back of the head. And finally it died. Guys, I walked into my house and I was just like, I just killed an animal, man. I like, I feel so bad, right? So, um, anyways, guys, remember, people are more valuable than animals, and if they poop in your house, they deserve to die. All right, let's move on. Listen, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Listen up. Listen up. Listen up. That cage that I had set up, I caught nothing for days because I didn't put any bait in there, right? You have to put bait inside of a trap to catch something. Now, when he talks here, you know, Amos asks this question. He says, does a bird land in a trap in the, in the ground if there's no bait on it? And essentially, this is his way of saying, listen, you can't just expect a trap to catch something unless you put bait there. In the same way, you guys are just expecting God to catch the, catch the, the prey for you. You're expecting God to do everything, right? But, but, but guys, we, we have to do our part, right? We have to, to, to draw closer to God. And Israel, they kept expecting God to keep blessing them over and over again. They were setting up the traps without putting any bait in it and expecting, and, and expecting blessings to happen. And Amos is just saying, like, what do you expect, right? God doesn't have to bless us. You realize this, right? God doesn't have to give us anything. We don't deserve anything, yet he still chooses to, all right? And then finally, let's, let's look down here at verse 6. It says, um, verse 6 says, if a ram's horn is blown in a city, aren't people afraid? If a disaster occurs in a city, hasn't the Lord done it? Do you guys, this is similar to the lion when it's roaring and stuff. In a city, if you're in a city with fortified walls and an army is coming in on you, um, what'll happen is you have somebody who's watching from the wall and they will blow the horn. And it's supposed to invoke two things. Number one, it's supposed to scare you, right? It's supposed to say, oh crap, like you hear the horn and you're just like, we're about to be attacked, right? And then the second thing is it's supposed to... um, hopefully um, push you to action. Like, okay, I need to go get my sword. I need to go get my bow. And then you, you, you get ready to defend your place, right? And it, what, what Amos is saying here is he's saying, look, guys, God has been on this wall blowing this trumpet and you guys aren't scared of anything, right? You guys aren't, you, you don't care. You, you just, you, you have it so good that I'm telling you that something bad is coming, my wrath, and you guys are completely ignoring it. You're not scared. You're not called to action. You're not doing any of that stuff. And so I love it because, um, he sounded this trumpet and they're not scared. Do you guys know what the, the, the country right now that has the church growing the fastest? Do you know what country that is? I know you. Tell me because you were here last year. It was, it's Iraq, right? You guys, it used to be China. And from what I understand, Iraq is now the country that has the fastest growing Christian church in it. Now, I want you to think about this because that is crazy. Isn't that crazy, Carrie? I mean, that is crazy because if, if this, let's say we were in Iraq right now. At any moment, people could bust through these doors and either arrest us or kill us just for doing what we're doing right now. It's crazy, right? You can't be a Christian in any part of the world. Uh, China, it's the same way. This is why they have to have their churches underground in, in, in homes. And then the, the people will come in. They say, you're worshiping Jesus? Okay, let's go. You're going to jail or they kill you. Iraq is not friendly to Christians, yet the church is growing there like crazy. And here's the thing, guys. Don't you think those guys, when they're sitting together in their little services, there probably is a real fear that at any moment somebody could come in and do that. Let me ask you guys this. Do any of you guys fear right now that somebody's going to come in that door and kill us? No, no, no. nobody. Not for what we're doing right now, right? I'm talking in terms of being a Christian, 
we, I, I can confidently say that nobody's going to come through these doors and kill us for being Christians, okay? And the thing is, this is what happens. This is the problem of blessings is we are so blessed, we have it so good here that, that sometimes it leads to us being lazy about our faith, okay? Let me finish with this last portion of scripture and then we'll wrap it up and break into groups, okay? This is Amos 3, 9 to 15. This is the rest of the chapter. Let me read this to you. Proclaim on the citadels in Ashdod, Ashdod and on the citadels in the land of Egypt, assemble on the mountains of Samaria and see the great turmoil in the city and the acts of oppression within it. The people are capable of doing right. This is the Lord's declaration. Those who store up violence and destruction in their citadels. Therefore, the Lord God says, an enemy will surround the land. He will destroy your strongholds and plunder your citadels. Listen to this verse. This is the one I'm going to talk about for a minute. The Lord says, as the shepherd snags two legs or a piece of an ear from the lion's mouth, so the Israelites who live in Samaria will be rescued with only the corner of a bed or the cushion of a couch. Listen and testify against the house of Jacob. This is the declaration of the Lord God, the God of armies. I will punish the altars of Bethel on the day I will punish Israel for its crimes. The horn of the altar will be cut off and fall to the ground. I will demolish the winter house and the summer house. The houses inlaid with ivory will be destroyed and the great houses will come to an end. This is the Lord's declaration. You guys remember I told you, it was weird when, it, when I was looking up uh, what Israel, kind of the wealth that they had. I didn't realize that people back in those days had winter and summer homes. Like they were that rich they could have a home for each season. And I love this last verse. He says, I'm going to demolish the winter house and the summer house. The houses inlaid with ivory will be destroyed. Wrath is coming. Let's look at verse 12. This is, this is a really weird verse. I remember reading this and just being like, what? The Lord says, as the shepherd snatches two legs or a piece of an ear from the lion's mouth, so the Israelites will live in Samaria. Uh, they'll be rescued with only the corner of a bed or the cushion of a couch. Anybody have any idea what that means? Like the first time I read that, I was like, that makes no sense. Well, I looked it up. There's, there's a law back in these days that was specifically for herdsmen people whose primary task was to tend to the sheep and the animals. Well, what would happen is uh, there would be times where they were tending to a herd and the sheep would like disappear, right? And there was either one of two things. It was either uh, the shepherd had, was, was being lazy and overlooked it and the sheep had been able to escape or uh, a predator had come and killed the sheep, okay? Now, here's the thing. If the sheep had, had gotten off, uh, if it had wandered off, on the, on the herdsman's watch, then the person who owned the sheep could have essentially sued the herdsman and said, I lost the sheep on your watch. You owe me money for that sheep. And the law of the herdsman said that they had to pay that back. However, if a predator had come in and killed the sheep and, um, and, and the, the herdsmen were able to uh, prove that this was the case, they wouldn't have had to pay for the sheep. And so what happened is they would literally go out and try to find this predator that had killed it, and they would have to bring back parts of the animal that they had eaten. And if they could bring back the parts of the animal from, from the predator that had eaten it, they could say, look, here's the leg of little uh, little sheep here. All right, here's its head. All right, you know, this wasn't me, right? This was a predator. And they would say, you're right. You don't owe me for the sheep, okay? It was kind of, it's kind of a weird law. But in, listen to what he says here. He says, look, he says, uh, as the shepherd snatches two legs or a piece of ear from the lion's mouth, right? Um, essentially, that shepherd is not responsible for that sheep because it wasn't him that killed the sheep. It wasn't his fault, right? If the sheep had wandered off, it would have been his fault, but a predator came and had done it. In the same way, God is saying, guys, look, look, this is going to happen, right? Wrath is going to come upon this place. But just like a shepherd who is not in trouble when a predator comes, he goes, Guys, God is saying, I'm not, I'm not responsible for the wrath that is coming upon you guys. 
all right? For sure, I'm going to be the one to, to invoke the wrath, but this is all your fault. This isn't, guys, remember, whenever something happens, whenever God's wrath is poured out, it is never God's fault when wrath is poured out. It's always our fault. God is not a God who wakes up in the morning and says, man, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. I'm just going to wipe out these people for no reason at all, right? He never says this. There is a reason that God invokes his wrath upon us, and he does this because we deserve it, right? We deserve it. This is, what, this is the beautiful thing about being a Christian, guys, is that when we give our lives to Jesus, when we give everything that we, we are to Jesus Christ and say, Jesus, we're going to follow you, that, that we avoid God's wrath. And here's the thing. Do we deserve God's wrath? Absolutely we do. And people who don't give their lives to, to God or to Jesus, this is what happens is they don't avoid God's wrath because God in his justness will send them to hell. Okay? God will send them to hell. That's how his wrath is, is poured out. So guys, I, I don't, anybody who goes to hell, does, it, nobody goes to hell because they don't deserve it. Everybody deserves hell. Everybody who goes to hell is there because they deserve to be there. Okay? Hold on one second, guys. So wait, here's, here's just how I want to finish this, okay? With Jesus in our lives, we are blessed beyond compare, yet a lot of Christians become spoiled brats. So my question for you guys is today is just ask yourself this question. Are you a spoiled brat, all right? Are you a spoiled, you don't have to answer. It's a rhetorical question, all right? But are you a spoiled brat, all right? And I want you to think about this. If you claim to be a Christian, I'm not just talking about your mommy and daddy get you whatever you want. I'm talking about you as a Christian, right? Are you a spoiled brat? Has God blessed you so much that you have forgotten what it means to depend on God? Has God blessed you so much that, that you get so mad at God when one little thing goes wrong in your life, right? Remember, guys, it's very easy. It's easy to focus on the blessing and, and not focus on God. And what I want to encourage you guys is we've been blessed beyond all, all measure. We have been given things by God that is amazing. But here's the thing, remember, with great power comes great responsibility, all right? You have, guys, we have the word of God in your laps right now. A lot of you have your Bibles open, right? You have the word of God. This means you know what you should know what God wants from us. And because God is saying you should know better, guys, we have a, we have a responsibility to live for Christ. All right? So think about what that looks like in your life, okay? Think about, have, do you remember what God has done for you? If you're ever feeling bad in a day, just pull out a notebook, piece of notebook paper and write out the way God has blessed you. I mean, it'll amaze you. You know, hopefully it'll help cheer you up a little bit. And you go, man, things really aren't that bad. You know, God really has blessed me. Let me pray for you guys and then we'll finish, right? Everybody bow your heads for me. Dear God, thank you so much for this day. I'm so grateful for every student that's in this room, God. And Lord, I, I, just, um, I just ask that you continue to bless the people in this room. I know that blessings can be, um, if we're not careful, we can abuse them. But Lord, my, my prayer is that every person in this room is blessed beyond all measure, God, and that, and that um, instead of just focusing on the blessings, that we take those blessings and actually makes us more grateful to you, that it makes us love you even more. So Lord, I know, I know that there are people in this room, God, and I'll throw myself in this category where you know, it's easy from time to time to just feel, uh, we, we forget how many times you bless us. We forget how much you bless us. And and Lord, I just pray that that's not the case, that we can always remember what you've delivered us from, that we can always remember what it is you've forgiven us for. And God, hopefully that'll lead us to live lives that glorify you in every, every respect, God.
I thank you again for every kid that's in here, every adult that's in here, and I pray that as we finish off our weekend and begin school tomorrow, that um, that we can just be such a light for you, that, that people will see us and say, I, I want what that person has, which is you, Jesus Christ. So God, be with us as we finish our weekend. We love you. We thank you and praise in your name. Amen.